As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat. We are coming to you. It is now three o'clock a.m. Eastern uh, after the Bills' Monday night victory over the San Francisco 49ers, in which they won 34 to 24. Josh Allen threw his way around. Uh, the the uh, very place that the Bills lost on a Hail Mary to, had four touchdowns, 80% completed passes, an all-around huge effort from him, and the defense showed up when they needed to and got some pretty clutch stops and for some turnovers along the way. So now the Bills are 9-3 on the season, and next up they have a pretty meaty matchup with the now 11 and one Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but we'll get more into that um, as the week goes on. But with me as always is my co-host Matthew Fairburn. And Matthew, when we look at this game, when we talked about this on the preview pod, we discussed how a return to the passing attack would be the formula for this team moving forward and if they wanted to get to the the heights that they wanted to it needed to go through the arm of Josh Allen because that arm would then extend it to guys like Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, heck even throw Dawson Knox in there, Gabriel Davis, all of these different things it's when they are at their most dynamic and them returning to that um, against this San Francisco 49ers team that is a pretty good defense just goes to show what this potential could be with this team so I mean Allen is the big story here it's the second time in two years that he has put on a show on a on a for a primetime audience last year he did it against the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving this one was even better I mean I don't know about you I'm probably I know we've been saying this a lot this year but he's been having a lot of it but to me, that is, it with the spot, the team he was up against, and the type of performance that he had and how dialed in he was, 
I don't know if there's a better performance this year than what we saw on Monday night. Yeah, it was, it was pretty damn good. Um, <laughs> I mean, see, the Seahawks game was really good. The Rams game was really good. Um, I mean, if Josh Allen could play against the NFC West every week, he'd set records. Uh, he had 16 total touchdowns against the NFC West this year, uh, which included a receiving touchdown and a rushing touchdown. So wow. uh, he pretty much dominated the division. And, you know, it was... I think Brian Dable deserves a ton of credit for the game that he called. Um, you know, there was on a few of those, there were guys running open. Uh, the, you know, there was some, some good scheme mixed in there as well, but Josh Allen pretty much couldn't miss. Uh, he was hitting every throw. He was super comfortable in the pocket. He wasn't overly panicked, um, when he had to move off his first read and create plays, you know, out of structure. Um, you know, he, didn't need his legs. Uh, you know, we see, it seems like in these really good games that he has, he doesn't really need his legs uh, mm-hmm. all that much. Uh, those are the more impressive games when you can see him sit back there, go through the defense, you know, find his guy and uh, and let it rip. And, and this was definitely one of those games. You know, he's absolutely, you know, when he plays like that, I feel like they can beat just about anybody. Um, Same. You know, this is yes a, a a five and six team now five and seven 49ers team um you know certainly not the defense that they were when they went to the Super Bowl last year but as we talked about leading into the game still a pretty good group you know still some good pieces in the secondary um you know they're starting to figure out how to if teams are going to sit back and play coverage like that they're going to be able to carve up that type of team man or zone. I think for the most part, it's, you know, the, the disguised looks, the pressure that, that, you know, can kind of screw with them a little bit, but not the way the 49ers played today. So I I think, um, you know, all in all wire to wire, you know, about as good as it gets from Josh Allen. Yeah. And what's interesting is I think we have seen Josh Allen, beating defenses that give him a little bit of everything, right? I mean, we've seen him just absolutely obliterate zone coverage. It forced both the Seahawks and the 49ers to abandon zone coverage at times. I mean, the Seahawks went basically all man-to-man coverage in the second half of their game. The 49ers went to a lot more man than they're used to because uh, Allen was just carving them up. I think uh, on the broadcast, Next Gen Stats had him at 14 of 15 for... Uh, just under 200 yards against zone coverage at that point in the game, which, I mean, when when you watch his full game, you're like, okay, well, I get it. <laughs> um, but even against man-to-man coverage, I mean, you just who has defenders that can cover both Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs in a man-to-man setting? The answer is not many secondaries have those capabilities, um, if any out there. And then you have... Uh, his progression at performing against um, late arriving blitzers and against uh, pressure packages and with with players in his face and um, with some disguise blitzes, he has improved in all of those separate areas. And it's getting to the point, and this is probably the exciting part for Bills fans, that, that watch this part of the game, that because 
he has shown the ability to beat just about anything that a defense throws at him. Now, there will be times that he struggles, and that's something that when, if he struggles with something one week, odds are if he sees it the next week, he's going to have a better time at it because he's prepared for it, and and that's just the type of player and person that he is. That's that's he he corrects things and then and then uh, puts them into action the following week. It's it's one of his best characteristics as a quarterback. But now it's getting to the point where how do you play this guy? Like it's a pick your poison sort of deal with him and if he gets to that point consistently where it's like a pick your poison sort of thing, that is the biggest standout characteristic of elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, when you get to the point where teams don't know what to do with you and they're just trying stuff, then you know you've made it. And Josh Allen isn't there just yet. And who knows if he will get there. But all I can say is he has just checked off every single test he could have had this year so far. And it didn't matter what the 49ers were doing. Like they even threw some, some late pressure at him and it, he was, he was still dealing today and maybe he was just having a great day and, and it's an anomaly, but I don't think that's the case because we've seen this so many damn times this year. So now it's a point where is Josh Allen becoming that dude <laughs> for the lack of a better term? Is he becoming one of those guys that teams just have to live with um, surrendering one thing by by attacking him a different way, and and can he continue consistently to beat basically anything a a, a team throws at him? So it's a it we're in some very interesting territory here because I didn't think he would make this far of a leap in in his third season. And he has, and I'm not sure what to do with it right now. And I don't know where this thing is going to go, but the, the signs are even more promising now than they ever have been. And, um, and yeah, it's, it, he's, he's looking like quite possibly the real deal here for the bills. Yeah. I think if, if he plays this way, they're going to be a really hard out. Uh, you know, this offense is going to be tough to slow down. I don't know if I'm ready to... I don't know if I'm ready to say that he he's able to beat whatever a defense throws at him. Because right, we've also... Right, yeah. I, I think what we're seeing is a quarterback who, at this point in his career, is uh, can run hot and cold uh, at times, when he's hot, he's really hot, and and he's, you know, as good about as good as you can ask for from a quarterback. I mean, a game like tonight is about as good a game as you're going to see from a quarterback in the league. He's also had games that are very much not that this year. These games have balanced those out more than balanced those out. They've, uh, you know, he's had as many really good games as he has not great games. Um, he went through a bit of a lull, um, you know, this season, but he continues to snap out of it with games like these, uh, you know, against 
good teams or in big moments. Uh, Seattle's defense being what it was, he still had to keep up with Russell Wilson. He still had that sort of in the back of his head. Uh, tonight, 49ers banged up, depleted, you know, whatever on both sides of the ball. Still a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. Still a, a team that has a defensive coordinator that's getting a lot of head coaching buzz. Um, you know, one of the brightest head coaches in football on the road, albeit not in the 49ers home stadium, but on Monday night football, you know, the, the, the eyeballs that, you know, are watching all those things. So the moments aren't really too big. The opponent, you know, specific opponents aren't really too big. Um, certain types of defenses maybe are getting to them. It's hard to find the common thread and yeah. the games where it's going really right and the games where it seems to be going wrong. Um, I guess that was my that was my point. There there is no like solution for what beats him every single time. Like he's going to have the occasional bad game like like you're like you're talking about, but there hasn't just been that. Like last year it was, all right, just bring a ton of pressure at him, he's going to crumble. Like this year it's it's not really as big of an issue and he's learning ways to beat that pressure he is and especially you know not every team's going to have a guy like joey bosa to kind of wreck you know part of the game um you know the way that he did for the chargers last week not every team is going to be you know bill belichick uh and the patriots on that side of the ball uh able to kind of disguise and and confuse him the way that they did but yeah i mean they're going to run into defenses you know late in the year or in the playoffs that can't handle him uh there's a lot of defenses in the league that probably won't be able to handle him when he's playing this way and at this point i think if you're a bills fan you just cross your fingers and hope that he gets on one of these heaters at the perfect time because Mm -hmm. if he does that's the that's not only the the appropriate formula for the Bills to make a run in the in the playoffs. I would argue it's probably the only one. If he's not playing like this or close to this, I mean 375 and four touchdowns is really good, especially when you're completing 80% of your passes. But if if he's not on, if he's not clicking, I don't know that the team really has a chance to go deep. Um barring some weird uh, luck and, you know, the defense really standing on its head. So uh, this at this point, it's it's going to be that kind of ride, you know, wait for the playoffs to see what becomes of Josh Allen then. What does he morph into then? Does he find another gear? Um, does he, is, is he unable to handle it? You know, we don't know that question. We've been asking it basically since September or October that mm-hmm. that would be the next level of, of the evolution, so to speak. And, um, you know, we're approaching the point in the season where we'll get that answer. And the more performances he has like this one on a Monday night on the road against the team that was in the Super Bowl, you would think that, you know, builds up that, that confidence and that, um, you know, sort of muscle memory of like, all right, big game, bright lights, big opponent, you know, he can handle it. And if, the team thinks that more importantly going into the game that could be a scary thing for opponents as well because uh, clearly these guys feed off of him. Yeah, they do, and where he goes is obviously where this Bills team is going to go. Like like you said, if if he gets on 
a heater and is able to put some put some uh, big games like this one together, then the sky's the limit for the Bills. And I don't think it's necessarily uh, it should necessarily be shunned that if the Bills play up to this type of potential, because you know you will you have to say. You have to look at who they were up against, right? The The 49ers had their backup quarterback in there, Nick Mullins. It's not that good. Um, but put up a fight at the end, but still not that good. Even still, this is still a 49ers team that is a really good rushing team, uh, has a good offensive line, and their defense is still pretty darn good. And, and it's not as though their secondary and linebacking core has been depleted by injury this the 49ers were without their starting slot corner um in, in this game but they still had Sherman they still had Jason Verrett they still had uh their their starting safeties they still had um their two stud linebackers and Warner and Greenlaw so they is this, this is still a good defense that he picked apart and so it's a it's a encouraging sign for them moving forward but now it's you have to think to yourself if he can do this against this defense, then what defense can't he do it against? Like, it, and it's he's going to have a huge test against the Steelers next week, and this is a um, this is going to be the biggest test of the season because the one thing that the Bills haven't done is they haven't beaten a bona fide AFC contender just yet. I mean the NFC West. God, like you pointed out before, gosh, do they love the NFC West? I mean, they they just they, they were basically a uh, a failed hail mary away from sweeping the NFC West and scoring all those touchdowns that you talked about. But the AFC, I mean, they don't really have that marquee win just yet. And the Steelers team, with the defense that they have and the type of pressure they provide and the type of strain they put on on an offense on the whole, not just the quarterback, I mean, this is going to be a humongous test for him and one that will ultimately shape, I think, potentially how far I think this team could go. Like, if they if they are in it with, with the Steelers all the way and, and they show that, they can not only potentially uh, go toe to toe, but maybe even win. Then that is a huge statement across the rest of the AFC. But, but yeah, I think the performances like these are ones that make you go, okay, what is the overall potential of this team? Could if he gets on a heater like like we're talking about, could they push themselves into contender status? And I don't think it's that far out of the question if the Bills continue to um, put the passing game first and Allen continues to play this way and the defense um, is playing at a an above average to good level like they did against the 49ers that's a great formula I mean at this point the expectation should be that they not only contend in the AFC but contend for a a Super Bowl title. I mean, yes. if you have a, it doesn't happen that often where you have a quarterback playing this well at the right time. And 
I would say this is the right time as long as it continues, right? You, at the exact perfect time would probably be like, you know, week 17 or first week of the, uh, you know, first week of the playoffs to really get rolling. But this is about as good a time as any to start playing this well. So if you have a team where, where the quarterback is on his rookie contract and he is playing at the level that Josh Allen is capable of playing at, like he showed on Monday night, that I, I don't understand why that wouldn't be the the expectation. I think right. it should, you know, be, you know, winning a playoff game or winning the division at this point. There's a lot of people stressing out over whether they'll win the division or this or that. Like, who cares? I mean, they will win the division, but who cares? Like, get once they're in, it's about knocking a few teams off now like is the season a failure if they lose to the chiefs or the steelers at some point no if they lose in the first round is it a failure i mean in some ways like uh, it's certainly not progress and so yeah i think this team is certainly a contender we've seen around the nfl how weird a season it is how few truly top end teams there are and how strange, you know, this league can be week to week. Um, the parody is crazy. And yes, the Chiefs look like, you know, a somewhat um, unbeatable in a way. Uh, they look like a really hard out. But Pittsburgh just lost to Washington. Uh, there's a lot of weird stuff happening around the league with injuries and COVID and everything else. It's going to be a strange end to the season. And, you know, the bills should be expecting if they can weather the storm and, you know, stay hot that they can emerge from that chaos, uh, you know, better for it. So there is a window, you know, that, that does not stay open forever. It's not to say it's closing after this year, Not certainly not when you have a quarterback uh, like the one it appears they have. But, you know, take advantage of it. Don't don't waste a year of the window. Um, it'll mm. probably stay open another few years, um, you know, and your window is always somewhat open if your quarterback's really, really good. Uh, so it's not as if it's it's going away tomorrow, but you've seen so many teams capitalize when they have the quarterback on the rookie deal and, and how much of an advantage that can be from building the rest of your roster and look around at this roster and the money they've spent in all sorts of places. A lot of these guys aren't getting younger, right? Cole Beasley playing at the level he is, you know, he's not getting any younger John Brown, um, you know, who, who wasn't out there tonight, but um, you know, might not be around too long. The defense uh, has some guys that are, that are getting up there, like take advantage of it while it's in front of you, because uh, you don't know when you'll have as good of a chance. You don't know when you'll be this healthy this late in the season or when your quarterback will be playing this well, all those things. So I, I don't think it's unfair or wrong of Bill's fans to be, you know, dreaming of a long postseason run. Does that mean it will happen no, I mean, who knows? Like, yeah. there's a lot of variables. I'm not saying it will happen or that it's it should be the, um, you know, they that they should be Super Bowl favorites or that they're gonna knock off the Chiefs or anything like that. But 
put the bar up there because that's what kind of team this is. That's what they're they're doing in an AFC where you know teams are falling left and right, and you know teams are are dealing with all sorts of different uh, injury and, and illness related uh, issues that are are causing some problems. So it's wide open for them. It's right there for them to take it, and you know we'll see in about a month. Um, you know, we'll see next week. Like you said, they haven't really beaten yeah. any AFC contenders. We'll see next week if, if they can knock off the Steelers. That'll be um, another big, you know, notch in their belt. The Steelers are, you know, you asked, um, you know, what kind of defense is going to be able to slow them down. Steelers are the number one pass defense in DVOA and number three run defense in DVOA. This is the best defense in football, the best defense that they will face all year and um that not to say he needs to go for 375 and four touchdowns but how does he look right how does it mm-hmm. um you know how do they perform against that group um we're getting a taste of a lot of different matchups a lot of different types of matchups and a lot of different types of games and that's a good thing because when they go into the playoffs you want to you want to know uh, how a certain team's going to match up against them so it'll be an interesting you know, end to the season here. And, uh, this was, you know, the perfect way for them to, to kick it off, getting to nine and three. Oh yeah. So a lot on the line as we move forward here. Uh, I also wanted to discuss the, um, the defense at length a little bit because it was a pretty predictable formula for these guys. Right. I mean, we saw them, uh, the the lean here was to try and slow down the 49ers with their ground game because, quite obviously, the 49ers have their backup quarterback there. We early, Earlier this week, we ran through the quarterbacks that um, the Bills have lost to over the last couple of years since they've gotten to the top of their rebuild, and it hasn't included a Nick Mullins uh, on that list. So their theory in going into the game was limit the run and put the ball back in Nick Mullins' hands and force him to try and win the game and likely make mistakes. And it played out perfectly. I mean, early on, I, I know the the stats at the end of the game, are they're swayed by game script and everything like that. And it showed that the the Bills only allowed 86 yards on the ground to this team. But early in the game, this 49ers rushing attack was working. And they were getting yards up the middle, a few chunk plays in this game. And on that first 49ers offensive series, they had 44 rushing, rushing yards, which is... Um, <laughs> which is more than half of what they ended up with in the entire game. So it's not as though it was immediately successful and they were doing all these things. I think some of it was based on the offense, just word of the pod, being on a heater as they were, and then the 49ers having to try and play catch up. But I do think the rushing defense settled in outside of a couple of big runs, one right before the half and one just after the half. Um, everything else, they, they seem to be really doing a nice job with. So uh, I will give credit to them for that. Um, not, I think, their best defensive effort 
of the season by any means. They were getting beat through the air by Nick Mullins, but they did force turnovers when they needed to, and they and they probably could have had more against Mullins. He made that many mistakes, so um, they did a nice job. They they followed their game script and uh, and they were prepared. It showed, and the defense once again, to me, showing signs that they are getting to that type of team that we were expecting from them going into the year. Yeah, it was like Nick Mullins is pretty bad. Um, so, <laughs> you know, there's there's that big caveat to the whole thing. But I did think they they took care of business on that side of the ball. It wasn't flashy. Uh, there were and it was not perfect, but they didn't allow themselves to get run out of the building completely in the first half. And that allowed the offense a little, you know, just enough breathing room to get that, you know, lead and, and, you know, get off to the start that they did. And once it was in that type of, uh, of a game flow, Nick Mullins having the ball in his hands as many times as he did, he was bound to make mistakes and, you know, this, this team capitalized on it. So, you know, this defense, it's not, I don't think it's really the worry that people make it out to be. Um, it's not what the defense was last year. It's not a top five unit in the league. It's not the most terrifying, you know, defense in the NFL, but I think it's fine. And I think in certain moments and in certain matchups, it, you know, this group can play really well and they can make timely plays. They still have those guys. It feels like they're still kind of holding on to something that, that isn't quite, you know, it doesn't feel like the 2019 defense in the same way, not as dominant, you know, wire to wire. And, you know, it feels like they're, they're holding on to the last bit of that as some of the pieces fall away, um, you know, or will likely fall away this off season. Mm -hmm. But enough of them are still there for them to handle just about, you know, any offense and manage the game, not dominate any offense, not shut down any offense, but for long enough and for stretches during the game to manage, to make timely plays and to give the offense enough room to do its thing. And like we said, you know, earlier, if the offense isn't doing its thing, I, I just don't think the defense is carrying them to too many wins. Right. Um, so and not enough wins to make a serious run. You know, that's not how this team is set up to win now, uh, like it or not. You should probably like it because that's the way most teams win. Um, but I, I think it was an, a, a pretty good effort from them all around. Um, good enough to get it done. When you're playing with a lead like that, you're bound to, you know, the off the opposing offense is bound to go on some runs and, and you know, make some plays on you. But, Sean McDermott didn't sound too pleased with the way it finished for the defense. Um, right. And I think that's fair because it's not like they were just sitting back in prevent. They were letting up some plays and uh, that's something they'll have to, they'll have to figure out before they go up again. Ben Roethlisberger is a little bit better than Nick Mullins. He's not yeah, necessarily playing that. He's not playing great the last couple of weeks, but um, he's a little bit better than Nick Mullins. He, uh, I mean, I'm sure you watched some of that Steelers-Washington game. I mean, 
and this has been a story for Ben all year. His average depth of target is not great this year. He's usually slinging it between 0 and 10 um, most of his plays. So occasionally he'll loft one over, but um, it it hasn't been really all that far down the field, and he's allowed his really good route running receivers to uh, to to get it going. Like he'll he'll go down the field to Claypool and allow him to make a play, but guys like Deontay Johnson who get I don't know 15 targets a game and um, and Juju Smith Schuster and uh, James Washington who who can get down the field in a hurry as well. Um, Eric Ebron's another one who who um, hits that uh, low average depth of target. Um, so yeah, but they they do need to worry about them because not only have they completely gone to a full out passing offense, but uh, but James Conner might be on the way back and and he's uh, he's been okay this year, but he's definitely. Um, presents more of a challenge than here what we the go Steelers with Joe's fantasy players again. No, absolutely not, <laughs> absolutely not. He's he just he's he's better than Benny Snell. He's better than Anthony McFarland, right? So I don't know. Maybe. It's going to be a challenge for them. No, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Who really knows, right? Uh, their their rushing offense has been bad altogether this year. Um, so they've been dropping we'll, a lot of passes. They're they not have, getting much push in the running game. Um, they did a better job of it today, though. It's been a bit of a slog for for the, the Pittsburgh offense against two very good defenses. Washington plays good defense, and Baltimore, even undermanned, uh, is a good defense. So there is that, but they have been sort of this— it, Ben Roethlisberger described it pretty well today. He's like, we're you know like a B-minus, B team, team on offense right now, like— it's pretty much what they've felt like when yeah. I've when I've watched yeah. them. So it'll be yeah, that's fair. Uh, it'll be a it won't be Duck Hodges or Nick Mullins, but it'll it won't be uh, Patrick Mahomes either. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I wanted to touch on another thing that the that the Bills did this game and um you filed something for us at the Athletic about one of the uh, one of the changes um to the operation which was the offensive line and the Bills I think um at long last finally put uh, Brian Winters on the bench they moved John Feliciano over to right guard and then they brought Ike Butker back into the starting lineup. He started at left guard. Uh, Feliciano had, I don't know, some sort of issue where he had to miss some snaps throughout the game and Winters came in. But for the most part, it was Dawkins, Butker, Morse, Feliciano, and Daryl Williams. 
and they performed really well, especially as pass blockers. Run blockers, not so much, but this is not really a, a run first team, nor should it be. Um, but they were giving Allen all the ta- all the time he wanted outside of a maybe a handful of plays, and he was able to do all the things he wanted to um, because he was afforded that time. And uh, I thought it was a really nice job, and uh, you know the the Bills not being stubborn about about Brian Winters is uh, probably the best thing that could have happened to them this week because he was a very clearly a a liability for them out there week in and week out. And we've we had nine games of proof, so um, getting Butker in the lineup was a, a nice change of pace and. And Butker is someone that uh, you did you did some homework on. Yeah, he is in a lot of ways representative of everything this team wants to be in in some ways. Yeah, everything Sean McDermott looks for, right? You know, this for starters, he went to Iowa, um, which is a, <laughs> a good start with McDermott. But undrafted guy has kind of just toiled away on the practice squad. Uh, for his first couple of years in the league, developed behind the scenes, gets a shot, you know, this year because of injuries, doesn't look great when he starts, but, you know, gets better, um, you know, time on task, as they like to say. But it's the developmental piece that they want to be able to grow players internally. They want to be able to be the type of team that has patience to go through uh, you know, a build and go through kind of a, you know, a, a longer process and do it the right way so that they're set up to continue to do it for years to come. And I talked to Brian Ference, who is now Iowa's offensive coordinator. He was the offensive line coach uh, when Butker was there, recruited Butker when Butker was a quarterback who had never put his hand in the ground ever, um, watched him get his ass kicked as, as he put it, um, at a recruiting camp, the first time he made him put pads on for, and play offensive line, watched him get, uh, owned in practice at Iowa early on and didn't even want to switch to the offensive line at first, wanted to play tight end, but committed himself to kind of this long process, tears his Achilles at the end of his career at Iowa, easily could have just washed out of the league, but stuck around. And as Brian, Brian Ferentz put it, you know, the, the players that make it in the NFL to be a good football player, you have to be able to run the race and he tied it together to be a good team. You have to be able to run the race. This team wants to be able to last. They want to be able to endure getting their ass kicked, which they did plenty of in, in 2018. Um, and even occasionally last year, they've gotten their ass kicked a couple times this year, but it's about, you know, kind of enduring all that and guys love Ike Butker they love these plucky try hard underdogs Um, there's a lot of them on the team but the offensive line really likes Butker they played well with him in there Um, I don't think he's the most talented guy on that line I don't think he's the reason they won this game I don't think Mm -hmm. he's the magic fix up front but players like that seem to mean something to this this group uh, it, writing this story I was reminded of Tyler Croft last year the way he worked behind the scenes when everybody thought he was a bust and he somehow carved out this role as sort of a 
a favorite in the locker room among his teammates. Ike has a, a similar feel, and um, I think stuff like that can reverberate through the team. You see a guy like that get a chance, do something with it, and you know it puts a little bit of a charge in guys. Mitch Morse, um, you know, said he's like another center on the offensive line. So, you know, we'll see if if he's a fit a fix, you know, of some sort. But he looked a lot better than Brian Winters, which yes. low bar as it may be, um, they've at least figured that out. He's a fix right now, which is the best that they can do at this point because you know they they can't give any more reps to Cody Ford. He's injured. He's out for the season, and I don't think that they're really interested in putting Ryan Bates out there um, for legitimate reps, even though Bates did get in on the kneel down at right guard for what it's worth. Um, yeah, that, that's, that was outside of some goal line attempts. That was really it for, for Bates. But, um, and I don't think that they want to put Ty and Secchi inside a guard. So it's going to have to be Butker because Winters, what he was doing is clear, was clearly not good enough. And even if, if they get replacement level stuff from Butker, it's still an improvement to what they had in the starting lineup. And maybe that's that's what they're thinking here. Um, you know, it it doesn't have to be the overwhelming, this is the guy that's going to put us over the top uh, sort of thing. It's just, okay, what can float you along? And who plays well with the other guys? And who shows a chemistry with the other guys? And, and who can actually hold their own in a one-on-one situation because it was it was actually uh, well not comical but it was fitting that when Feliciano had to leave the game and Winters came in like on one of his first couple of snaps he got walked right into the backfield and it hurried to Josh Hale and throw and he had one of his incompletions one of his eight incompletions on the game it's like okay that's what you're dealing with that's why you're getting that guy out of the lineup and um, why uh, he is best off as a reserve that has some experience that uh, the other guys can can draw upon when when they need to. But but yeah, they they need to continue on with Butker at left guard. I think that's their optimal starting five right now. And uh, if they have some more injuries, then they're going to have to tinker some more. But uh, I I think they've they've found a sweet spot for now and it's not a future one but it's to help them get through the rest of 2020 yeah and they you know there's been a lot of shuffling there's been a lot of moving pieces in and out of that offensive line but they were pretty good tonight and they were you know i think that's that's a step in the right direction uh they have not really had five on the field you know going uh in the same direction that you know they've had to move pieces out a lot but if they play like they did tonight that's that's fine especially in pass protection um the most important important thing is keeping 17 on his feet and they did a really nice job of that three quarterback hits tonight on josh allen he does a lot of that himself of course by escaping pressure but he also refuses to say die too so it kind of you know balances out uh, on the stat sheet He's a easy quarterback to block for sometimes and a, probably a really hard one to block for other mm-hmm. times. So um, 
encouraging, as encouraging as anything that happened tonight, probably, uh, in some ways, the, the way the offensive line played. Outside of Josh Allen's, you know, stat, stat line, the performance of the offensive line was about as uh, encouraging a sign as they had. Yeah, they um, they need those two units to go hand in hand because if if uh, the pass blocking is there, then odds are Josh Allen is getting the time he needs, and the receivers are able to do what they need to do to get open. I mean, that's that's the surest bet of any that the receivers are going to find spots for uh, Allen to get them the ball. It's just a matter of Allen is going to find them and get it there. And before that, if he's going to have the time to do so, because Allen likes to take his time back there. He's like you pointed out, he's a bit more of a, a challenging one at times to, to block for than, than some others. So um, the, the bills have to certainly keep that in mind uh, as, as they continue on their, their, their pass blocking journey. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, let's get to some awards here. And, you know, I think there's a few um, uh, a few candidates for some of the, the negative awards that we have. We'll, we'll kind of start there um, just because I don't know that there were all that many, but um, we'll, we'll begin with the uh, Dree Archer Award for the, the player that did not show up whatsoever in this game. And I think I'm going to have to give it to Levi Wallace here. Uh, they, I know it was, he, he had been playing better since he came back from IR and he was someone that they were hoping would develop into their maybe even a long-term second cornerback. I don't necessarily think the book is fully written on Levi Wallace. He's going to be a restricted free agent. He'll probably probably be back with the team next season and could factor into the starting equation next year as well because Josh Norman won't be there. Maybe they don't get one in the draft that maybe they could have wanted to. But uh, but yeah, this was a, an overall bad showing. Got turned around a little bit by Brandon Ayuk and um, couldn't make a play on the ball even though he was close. And that was one of the biggest, I think it was their biggest play of the game for 49 yards. So, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll give that to Levi Wallace. Did you have anybody in mind for Drew? Yeah, he was the first person that popped up. Uh, never good to get torched uh, on national yeah. TV. And yeah. he's found a way to bounce back at times. Uh, I don't he know, has. Like you said, I think this is kind of just who he is, right? You know, he's just pretty good over there. He's not... 
Um, not great. Not the the long-term answer necessarily, but a, a solid player to have on your team. But against some really good receivers and in some tough spots, he's going to have some bad games. Um, he's not Tredavious White. So it's not necessarily, you know, shocking for this to happen to him, but um, it was certainly certainly glaring. He is the typical you can do better, you can do worse sort of sort of guy. And it's he's now in his third season and you know, it's getting to the point where you kind of know who he is now, right? I mean, it's uh, you you get the book on these guys and there's only so much potential until you just become who you are in the league and I think we're starting to see who Levi Wallace is in the league. All right, Vontae Davis, the player that didn't show up in the second half. Who do you got? I'm going to go with Zach Moss. Um, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> after he fumbled, he did see the field again, but it took a long time. Uh, yes. Didn't do a whole lot. Uh, I think he might have gotten one touch after that. Um, I have stats for you, snap stats. After his fumble, Devin Singletary outsnapped Zach Moss 59-2. to two. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, which when he fumbled the way that he did in the spot that he did, it was pretty predictable that McDermott would sit him down. The risky part of that is that Devin Singletary's had some fumble issues of his own. Those did not pop up tonight, but Zach Including one last week. Right, yeah. He's had uh, a few in the last month, I think. Um, But, you know, Zach Moss will have better days. This was not a great one for him, and it's going to probably take a little bit of time, especially with these important games, for them to fully trust him, uh, you know, with the ball in his hands in key spots. So uh, I guess tough blow for the any fantasy owners that were banking on him being a big, big playoff performer for you. If you're doing that, you're probably out. Let's be real. Yeah, maybe. You never know. If you're banking on Bills running back, oh, I guess if you have some some injuries. Yeah, you never know. There's been there's, there's no been real a lot banking on, on Bills running the, backs uh, in in the NFL. There's people are people get desperate. I suppose. I mean, I hope T.J. Yeldon's not on a roster out there, but I guess I never know. Um, all right, let's go to the gotta watch the tape award, and I'm trying to think here. They had mostly good performances in this game. Uh, I might have to go with AJ Klein for this one because he was, I mean, obviously the last few weeks he's been he's been really good for this team, but I didn't love him in this game. I, I think he uh, he missed some tackles. He was slow to the spot on some other times. He definitely was not the type of impact player that he was against the Chargers. wasn't uh, He wasn't using. Uh, he wasn't getting to the spot just based on instincts and predicting where the plays would go. And he didn't really have the speed to get there. Got caught in coverage a couple of times. So I think. I, th- I think I'm going to give it to AJ Klein, even though he's he's been better as of late. I just I, I think th- he struggled a little bit. I'm going to give it to Trent Murphy. Um, well, that's true. I mean, there's really no film to watch here. There is no film to watch, but the essence of the ward is to uh, the the player who can only be saved by coach speak, and at this point, that's all that yeah, they can fair. do to explain away Trent Murphy not being 
active at all for these important games against teams that run the football, no less. So um, that's the that's the most head scratching part because it's like okay, Murphy is, his biggest strength is stopping the run and can't put him on the field because they don't want those snaps to go to him. They want those snaps to go to AJ Epinesa and to Daryl Johnson. And I don't know how much of this is a factor, but uh, every time Trent Murphy is inactive, that's 32 grand off their cap. So yeah, I guess, I guess it could add up as, as they go forward, but I don't, I don't think it's too huge of a, of a number that really impacts things. But still, I think the the snaps are what's most important, and that they're trusting two younger guys over him tells you all you need to know. Yeah, they'll explain it away, but I mean, uh, he'll be ready. He'll be ready when he's called upon, is what they'll say. He's all. It's all right there. What they've done, and there's a few of these, you know, disconnects between what they, you know, probably could have or should have done, or you know. Guys that were, I mean, look look at Ike Bucker, right? I mean, Brian Winters gets benched, and that's a, a guy that they paid some money for. They benched Quentin Spain earlier this year. It's a guy they paid some money for. So um, whether it's coaches wanting one thing, front office wanting the other, or just poor decisions, uh, there's been a few of those that have caught up to them. And Trent Murphy being inactive in this game, a little bit different than the Chargers game. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, and then finally, the Blaine Gabbert Award for Perseverance. Who do you have? This is... Uh, why not Ike Butker? I mean... Ike Butker! For crying out loud, who sticks on a practice squad that long and ends up in the starting lineup entering the most important stretch of Buffalo Bills football in 25 years? That's fair. Um, <laughs> he tore his Achilles at the end of his college career and was just stiffing it on the practice squad for a while, and here he is. Um, if that's not perseverance, I don't know what is. Yeah, that's fair. Um, in terms of, uh, I guess, more short-term perseverance, I would maybe lump Dawson Knox into here, who had his best game of the season, even though it was only three catches, but Hey, I mean, still best game of the season. And, uh, he was active and Tyler Croft was not Knox had by my count, 73% of the snaps today. So, so yeah, not Knox is in there. And I also want to give a, uh, Blaine Gabbard award for perseverance, honorable mention to Corey Bajorquez, who, did nothing outside of hold a few um, extra points and, and field goal attempts, but came into the fourth quarter and absolutely uncorked one, like 68 air yards. Uh, it was returned 16 yards, and he still had a net of 52, which is a, usually about 8 to 14, 8 to 12 better than the normal averages out there. Um, and in terms of it being in the air, 5.17 seconds of hang time, which just a just a ridiculous punt. So perseverance for getting out there and, and booting one after not uh, being in the flow all game. Looked like a cantaloupe flying off his foot. <laughs> no, it did not. That's what it looked like <laughs> to me. 
<laughs> if it was a cantaloupe, then his foot would be off his leg. No, not in not in that desert heat. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Warm it up in the desert heat. Bring it inside. <laughs> that nice, uh, nice warm cantaloupe. Yeah, yeah. That that nice warm air conditioned stadium. Well, you leave the cantaloupe outside, and then you bring it in before you oh, kick sure. it. Per- perfect Everybody cantaloupe knows. kicking conditions. Everybody knows. All right. Okay. Well, the Bills. They, they killed it tonight, um, or I should say last night. Uh, they were the better team, and they won. It was the score ended up being closer than it actually was, but they won all the same. And Matthew Fairburn, the overhit, so everyone's happy. And that was the, my top priority on my my picks. I <laughs> ranked it first, or I <laughs> at least said it first. <laughs> I, I I think. Did I did I do the over two? I don't even freaking remember. Remember, over unders are the uh, they'll was, get you. It was like forty seven. It was like forty seven. Oh yeah, then I definitely so said over. It was an easy. Uh, yeah, especially once the game moved inside. That was the uh, that was the key. It was uh, it was ripe for this kind of uh, this kind of game, like a cantaloupe sitting out in the warm desert sun. You need to be stopped. All right. That'll do it for us. It's approaching 4 o'clock in the morning. I think we both need some sleep, as you might be able to tell since we're talking about warming up cantaloupes and punting them. Um, The Bills, next thing they do, they'll have a short week ahead of their Sunday night showdown with the Pittsburgh Steelers, which is yet another primetime game for them to uh, show everybody what they're all about. And this is... Probably, not probably, this is a bigger one than what they just went through on Monday night. And while it was good that they won their first Monday night football game, official Monday night football game anyway, of the century, uh, this is a different class that they're going up against in against an AFC opponent, one that is going to be pretty ticked off because of their first loss of the season, and one that uh, is going to be... Pr- pretty difficult to defeat um, based on what they do defensively. So should be fun, um, but a, a quick track to get there. All right, Matthew Fairburn, no more cantaloupe words, but anything else you got for us? I'm all out. Okay. You can do it. Cutting myself I, off. I, I, I don't want to restrict off. you. If, if, if you want to talk about cantaloupe one more time, just talk about cantaloupe. I've got it all out of my system. Okay, that's good. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Buffalo Beat. We will next talk to you on the preview edition later on in the week. Talk to you then.